Welcome to the Cross Church Podcast. For the month of November 2019, we're doing a new series called No Worries. For this entire series, we're looking at Luke 12, where Jesus teaches, actually, he commands us not to worry. If you tend to worry a lot, this series is going to challenge you in ways you've never been challenged before. Enjoy the message. Well, folks, today we're beginning this series called No Worries. How to have a worry-free life. Here's what I know about everybody here today. At some point or another, you have either worried or you are worrying right now, or you may possibly worry in the future. But what you need to know, that according to our master, the Lord Jesus Christ, he does not want us to worry. John Locke, one of the, uh, one of the great thinkers of the Enlightenment, here's what he said. What worries you masters you. Well, folks, John Locke was a Christian, and he really understood this. He understood that, that you, you really can't serve two masters. You're either going to serve your master, the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, or you are going to serve worry. And we're going to find out what that means in just a few moments. But understand this, worry is not acceptable to Jesus Christ. It's not acceptable for those who are going to follow Christ. So you're going to say, Pastor, I really can't figure out how I can get through this life without worrying. Well, that may be what's going through your mind right now. That's why you've come to church, because you want to know what does Jesus say about this? Because I'm going to tell you, and, and you all know this, that whether you worry or not really affects your quality of life. And you're going to see that in just a few moments. We want to learn from Jesus how to live a worry-free life. So Jesus is doing what Jesus does. He's traveling throughout the land of Israel, preaching that the kingdom of God is at hand. And while Jesus is preaching and teaching, somebody in the crowd yells out to Jesus, Hey, Jesus, tell my brother to divide my father's estate with me. And Jesus says, well, who's appointed me the judge? That's, that's not my job. That's, that's not what I'm about. However, he says, make sure that you guard your heart against every kind of greed because life is not measured by how much you own. Now, if ever there's been a message for people in the year 2019, that's it. Because for most people, especially in North America, what they own defines who they are. In fact, if you look at the marketing of anything that's being sold nowadays, you'll notice that really prestige is a connected to what you, what you are consuming. They want you to feel better about yourself. In fact, if anything, they want you to be defined by what you own. It's, it's, a, it's a marketing tool that appeals to the, the basic greed in the heart of every human being. Pastor Allen, I did not come to church this morning to be insulted by you. <laughs> Look, at, I'm not trying to insult anybody, but let's face it. The master, our King Jesus, he ends this. You gotta guard your heart against this kind of greed. And he says, well, look, let me tell you a story. Let me he understands what the basic problem is with human beings. So Jesus says, you've got to guard. I'll tell you a parable to help 
demonstrate what I'm saying to you. There's a very rich farmer who lived in a very fertile farm, and he didn't just get good crops, he got magnificent crops. In fact, his crops were so great, he didn't know where to put them all after he harvested them. What am I gonna do, he asked himself. I know, I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger barns. What a great idea, he thought. So here he is, he says, uh, Jesus says that this man sits back and he says to himself, friend, imagine calling yourself friend. Friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But then Jesus tells us, but God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? Wow. Jesus says, yes. A person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Then, turning to his disciples, Jesus said, that is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Now, folks, I'm telling you this morning, Jesus is teaching us a brand new way of living. Jesus contrasts the unbeliever with the believer. You're gonna see this in just a moment. He tells us that if you are his follower, if you are a disciple of Christ, then you are not gonna be worrying about everyday life. And yet, isn't that precisely how so many of us live? So, I, just for fun, I Googled, don't worry. And you can imagine I got lots of smiley faces. Uh, <coughs> but I found something really interesting. It's called the don't worry algorithm. The don't worry algorithm. So let me show it to you. By the way, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's my Memoji there. Um, those who have iPhones know what I'm talking about. So here's the algorithm. Do you have a problem? If the answer is no, then they say, then don't worry. If you do have a problem, if the answer is yes, the next question is this, can you do something about it? And if the answer is no, you can't do anything about it, well then don't worry, because you, your worry's not gonna change anything. But if you can do something about it, then obviously the answer is yes, and then you still come to the same conclusion, then don't worry. Now I'm gonna tell you, this algorithm is incomplete and I'm gonna show you how in just a few moments. But here's what you and I need to recognize. The wisdom of this world is bankrupt. The wisdom of this world gives you no hope, gives you no courage concerning tomorrow, and gives you no hint that the future actually can be better. Folks, that's the difference between the gospel of Jesus Christ and the wisdom of this world. For me to sit here or stand here this morning and tell you don't worry is absolutely useless. If I just tell you don't worry, you're gonna say, well, thanks a lot. How am I supposed to do that? Or I'll try my best, pastor. I'll really work it up. 
I'll work, I'll try to work myself up to, to fulfill this command that you've given. Listen, folks, this, this algorithm, this is just positive thinking or positive confession. It's, 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 it's optimism on steroids. It's cross your fingers and hope for the best. This is not biblical at all. Jesus tells us not to worry, but then he tells us what to do. He tells us what not to do, and then he tells us what to do. So before we get to that algorithm, let me share with you some scripture. So Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verses 29 to 31, and don't, here he's saying it again, and don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. He says this in verse 22. And now he's saying it again. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Or as you may have learned it as a child, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you what? Are you sure? Really everything? Come on, not everything. Everything? Shelly, you're right on. You wanna take over? No, okay, good. Okay, so you're right on, you're right on the money. It's absolutely everything you need. Now listen, this is not just, just a theory. This is not just, I, I hope so. This is a promise. This is how Christians live. The problem is, is that most Christians don't live like this. Maybe most is too strong a word. But I'll tell you this, real Christians live like this. And I'm gonna demonstrate that for you this morning. The first thing I want us to look at is verse 29. And it says, and don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. If you look at this in the Greek, where it talks about, uh, about not worrying, the Greek word is metaorizeste, metaorizeste. And literally, that word is translated to be suspended in midair. It's being in suspense. So what Jesus is saying here is that when you worry, your, your life now suddenly is in suspense. Have you ever taken a picture and then caught somebody in midair? Their, their feet are off the ground and they're just frozen. That's what, that's what Jesus wants us to picture. Somebody just frozen. You can't do anything. You can't go forward, you can't go backward, you can't go up, you can't go down because you are suspended. You are frozen. This is what worry does. It absolutely paralyzes us. So we can't go forward, we can't go backward, we can't do anything. That's what Jesus is saying here. Don't be concerned about what to eat, what to drink. Don't worry about these things. Because it paralyzes us. And as long as you're paralyzed, guess what? You ain't living. For many people, your life really is like a hamster on a wheel. You're just going round and round in circles. You're not getting anywhere. You're busy, you're active, but you're not getting anywhere. You're not living. That's what Jesus is saying here. Life grinds to a stop. Man, I have watched so many people who've been just like this, like that rich fool that Jesus spoke about in the parable at the beginning of Luke. 
paralyzed, not going any, anywhere. Jesus actually tells another parable. It's the parable of the sower. And he talks about how the sower seeds sows seed on, on hard ground and fertile ground, on rocky ground and amongst, amongst the, the weeds. Well, in Mark chapter 4, uh, verse 19, the sower has sown seed among the thorns. And here's what Jesus says, but all too quickly... The message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. This is what happens, folks. When you allow yourself to worry and to get caught up in the things of this life, this is what happens when worry is your master. And for this reason, Jesus calls us to allow him to master us, which means we have to do what he says. More about that in a moment. There's something else I need you to see here. Jesus says in verse 30 that the mark of the unbeliever, the mark of somebody or the characteristic, the trait of somebody that doesn't know Jesus is that they're worrying all the time. Now, please, I'm not judging anybody here today. I'm, I'm preaching to you the truth to help you see what maybe you haven't seen about yourself. For some of you, you maybe you heard your grandmother or your mother say, well, I'm just a worry wart. Did you hear that? You've heard that. And then you think, well, well, I am too. <laughs> just like my mother and my grandmother. What a rich heritage I have. Just like mom, just like, or just like grandma. But I'm going to tell you, this is absolutely not acceptable for the one who's put his faith or her faith in Jesus Christ. It's the, it's the unbeliever who is dominated by the things of this world. We're, we're talking about temporal versus eternal. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, your heart and your mind is not caught up in the things of this world. What your concern is, is that which is eternal. The next thing I want you to see here is that, and this is very interesting. Jesus says, but your father already knows your needs. That's something else you need to understand. Do you realize that in the midst of your need and in the midst of your worrying, there's a father up above who knows all about what you need? So, well, Pastor, then why does he make me pray? If he already knows, what is he just, why don't he just give me what I need? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Jesus says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Jesus actually teaches us this. Now, if the Father already knows what we need, then why do we need to ask? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. It's because Jesus wants us to maintain a close relationship with the Father. That's exactly what we just read about in verse 22. A person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. In asking, in seeking, in knocking, what are we doing? We are nurturing, nurturing a rich relationship with our God. How many know today that God wants to meet all your needs? You didn't know that. Oh, well, I'm telling you now. 
your God, your Father in heaven, wants to meet all of your needs. Let me say it again. Your Father in heaven wants to meet all of your needs. In fact, that's what Paul tells the Christians in Philippi. He says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So understand this today. You need to understand this because this is what real Christianity is. Your Father in heaven wants to meet all of your needs so that you don't have to worry. Did you get that? He wants to meet all your needs. And I know you're sitting here and you've got a whole list of things that you need, a whole list of things that are maybe troubling you and causing you to worry. And I'm here to to tell you, don't. Don't do it. Don't worry, because your father knows all about it. Jesus says that worrying, thinking about the, the needs of this world dominates the mind of the unbeliever. And God is calling us to be dominated by Christ. Does that make sense? He wants us to surrender him. He wants us to do his will on earth as it is in heaven. Wow. And and clearly, verse 31, if you are seeking the kingdom of God, if you seek to honor God, who's the king, by the way? Jesus, that's right. If you're seeking to honor the king, if you're seeking to do the will of the king, then Jesus promises that God will give you everything you need. Now, this is basic Christianity. This is Christianity 101. And sadly, we constantly need to be reminded of this because the fact of the matter is is that we so easily forget and we're so easily caught up with the needs and the problems of this world. Now, the good news is God does not condemn us, but gently he reminds us through the preaching of the word and through reading the scripture. Now, some months ago, uh, we noticed that there's a shortfall in the general giving in our church. And there's always a little bit of a shortfall, but it was a little bit more than should have been, especially considering the number of members that we have here. Now, I know some of you are thinking, oh, no, do we have to hear about that? this? Well, <laughs> look it. If you're not a believer, then just, just disregard what I'm saying. But if you are a believer, and especially if you are a member of this church, you understand that part of being a believer, a follower of Christ, is that you are a giver. And my job, and the job of the elders is to make sure that we are healthy, a healthy congregation, and that where you need to be challenged, we challenge you and remind you of the things that you need to do. So the very first time in my life as a pastor, the first time since 1983, I have to give you a disclaimer. And here's the disclaimer. The pastors and elders are seeing a shortfall in general giving and thus understand that this is a spiritual problem amongst God's people. If somebody has suggested to you that you can be a Christian and not give, then I tell you, you've been given a lie. Because Jesus Christ and our Father are givers, God is a giver. 
Jesus gave his life. God the Father gave his son. It's, it's what it means to be a Christian. And here's what I know. Those who give love sermons like this, because it's so exciting, it's so thrilling. Those who don't give, you're squirming in your seat right now. But don't worry, I don't know who's not giving and who is giving. I can guess. I know that those who give are people that usually are good stewards of their finances and usually are doing well financially. And it, people who are givers don't give because they're well off. They're well off because they give. You are successful. You are a good steward of your finances because you give. It's never the other way around. Now, look at God doesn't need your money. And, and here's what I know. After all these years of being a pastor, God always meets the needs of his church, no matter what. So if you don't want to get on board with, with being part of what God wants to do, well, that's your business. That's between you and God. And I will not check anybody's giving. This way I can stand in front of all of you and look you all in the eye and not have to worry. And you don't have to worry. But I can tell you that God knows. God knows that you need to be a giver for your own spiritual condition, for your own spiritual vitality. So what needs to change? if we're gonna be living a worry-free life. Because remember, that's what this series is about. It's how to go through life without worrying. Some of you are saying, Pastor Allen, you just made me worried now by saying I have to give. You're adding to my worries. Well, don't panic yet, just hear me out and recognize today that when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. It doesn't burden you, rather, it sets you free, it gives you joy. So, what do we know? Well, I came up with my own algorithm based on scripture. So can I share it with you? So here I am, this is my Memoji. I'm calling this the King's Don't Worry algorithm. And it asks the same question, do you have a problem? And if the answer is no, then don't worry, but you notice there's a next step. Without this next step, we've got only half an equation. Then don't worry, just obey the king. Did you get that? Who is the king? Jesus. Good. Now, do you have a problem? If the answer is yes, then the question is, is Jesus your king and savior? Or another way to put this is, are you a Christian? Have you put your faith in Christ? Do you believe in him? If the answer is yes, then don't worry, just obey the king. But if the answer is no to, is Jesus your king and savior, then I have to say, then worry. And why do I say that? Because it's naive to think that you can go through life sticking your head in the sand and just ignore your problems. It's absolutely insanity. So this is the difference between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of this world. When you put your faith in Jesus, your king and your savior, here's what Jesus wants you to do. He doesn't want you to worry. He wants you to obey him. Because you're gonna do, either do one or the other. Isn't that right? This morning, that's what I know. I know that you are either worrying about, the, about your life or you're obeying Jesus. You're doing what he says. So. 
Where, where do we go from here? What, what's our response to this? Well, first of all, if Jesus is your king, then by virtue of that fact alone, you have to obey him, right? Isn't that what it means to be a Christian? It means that you obey him. But you most of the time obey him? All the time? All the time obey him. <laughs> Can you imagine if all the Christians in North America obeyed Jesus all the time? Wouldn't that be amazing? A powerful church. I think we would have to call that a revival. Can I remind everybody of something? When Jesus says, don't worry, this is not a suggestion. This is not Jesus' opinion. It's his command. In Luke chapter 12 alone, this is, look at this. This is the verses that talk about not worrying. Luke chapter 12, verse 11, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. Verse 22, Jesus said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Verse 29, and don't be concerned. How I many know that's another way to say don't worry? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. This is the command of your king. Yes, Lord, I'll do what you say. So, but Pastor Allen, that's easier said than done. Well, you're right. Because here's, again, what I know from personal experience. It's pretty hard to just stop worrying. And that's why Jesus tells us to do something else in place of worrying. Again, let me just show you this. A person is a fool, Jesus says, to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So look at this. In place of worry, you need to have a rich relationship with God. In place of worrying about wealth and what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, Jesus says you need to have a rich relationship with God. Rather than focusing on the temporal or the temporary, the things that are going to pass away, Jesus says, focus on the eternal. Think about the fact that someday when you die, you are going to stand before Jesus. And the question is, will you have stored up treasures in heaven? Some of you may be rich on this earth, but when you get to heaven, you're going to be very poor. Because living the way Jesus called you to live was simply not important. I'm going to just share with you something. When, when people come to me for marriage counseling or pre-marriage counseling, one of the first things we do is we talk about the first three or three major problems that every couple will face. And I always say to the couple, what do you think is the biggest problem that couples face? And almost always... With a few exceptions, people always say, well, money is going to be the big problem. And, and they're right, of course. Money is a big problem. Northwestern Mutual, uh, an insurance company, they did a survey to find, uh, to find out what causes stress for people that use their services. And here's what they discovered. 
They, dis they discovered that money is the dominant source of stress for 44% of North Americans, followed by 25% who, who said personal relationships were causing them stress, their marriage, their family, whatever. And just 18% were blaming their work for their stress. 44%. The American Psychological Association shows that money is the number one stressor for North Americans. Quote, regardless of the economic climate, money and finances have remained the top stressor since our survey began in 2007. Money. Now, this is very, very interesting when you consider that North America is among the richest countries in the world. You would think, wouldn't you, that if you lived in North America, you'd never have a problem again with money. Remember what Jesus said? He said, to guard your heart against greed. And it's greed and the love of stuff, the love of money, the love of things, love, the love of food, the love of clothing. This is what causes us this stress. John Hancock's financial stress survey found that money stress is widespread, seeping into our work life. 69% of workers were stressed over their finances. 72% admitted to worrying about their personal finances while at work. So we know that worry is a big, big problem amongst North Americans. But folks, it shouldn't be a problem amongst Christians. Now, I know that this, is, this will always be something that we all struggle with as long as we're on this earth. But Jesus is calling us to take those steps of trust by obeying him. So how are we going to see our needs met? What do we need to do to make sure that we never have to stress or worry about money again? You could say, well, Pastor Ron, I know I need to trust Jesus, but what does that mean? Jesus actually gives us concrete instructions, concrete direction. He tells us precisely what to do in order to make sure that our needs are met. And so to answer that question, what do we do? I got to go back six chapters to Matthew 6, 38 where Jesus says this, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. This is why so many people don't want to give. What am I going to do without that 10% or what am I going to do without that, without, without that money for, for the, the money I gave to Village of Hope? What, what am I going to do? How am I going to make ends meet? Well, Jesus says your gift will return to you in full. Now, I'm standing here before you today as somebody who lives by this passage of Scripture. And when Gloria and I came to this church, the church could not even pay us enough to pay the bills. But they paid us what they could, and I didn't demand more. I just said, well, I'll take whatever, whatever is given to me, because here's what I know. My God shall supply all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And when we first came to this church, wild things would happen. I'd wake up in the morning and there'd, there'd be a turkey on my doorstep. Not, not a live one. 
There'd be a turkey sitting there. Another time there'd be a bag of groceries. Another time there'd be money in the envelope. And uh, it was just such miraculous things. When we needed to buy our house, some of you have heard me tell this story before, we had no money because we just came home from the mission field. And when they pay you to be a missionary, they pay you to, to be poor. <laughs> so we literally had no money. And I'm praying, God, show me what to do. And all of a sudden, I remembered that I bought an insurance policy when I turned 18 from Dave Bardell. And I thought to myself, I wonder if that's still in existence. I had nothing to do with that for many years. So I called, and lo and behold, they said, yes, you do have some money in that, in that insurance policy that you can borrow. I said, I didn't even know I even had this thing anymore. Yes, you have money there. How much is it? It's $2,500. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot in 2019. But back in 1994, that was enough money for a down payment on our house. And with that, we were able to buy the house, our very first house on Elegant Avenue. And then, right after that, we found out that the company that was holding that money went bankrupt. <laughs> and I didn't have to pay it back. <laughs> but I got it out before it was gone. I could write a book, and I know my dad would say, Alan, yes, write it. I could write a book at the way God has provided and met our needs. Give, and you will receive. Your gifts will return to you in full. God will provide for you in ways that you cannot even dream of. Things that you hadn't even thought of. Things you haven't even conceived of. And look how it's going to return to you. Not just paid in full, but pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. Do you get the picture? You will have more than you need. In fact, Jesus says the amount that you give will determine the amount that you get back. I can remember my brother Joff some years ago talking about, about tithing, about tithing on the gross or tithing on the net. And we got talking about that and... Um, uh, one of the things he realized that he didn't want a net blessing, he wanted a gross blessing. And so he decided we need, he needed to tithe on the gross. I thought, fantastic, that is brilliant. Listen, Jesus is the one that says this. This is, not, this is not me saying this. This is Jesus saying that. The amount you give will, be, will determine the amount that you get back. So Pastor Allen, what does this have to do with not worrying? Very simply this. If you're serving your master, the king, then you need to do what he says. He says, don't worry, but give. Now, I'm going to tell you, this, this, goes, against, this goes against what we, what we naturally think. Our natural instinct is I got to hang on to my money. I can't let it go. But I'm telling you today that God will provide for you and meet your every need through Christ Jesus. But you have to take him at his word. In fact, the prophet Malachi says, prove me. He says, this is what God says, prove me in this. Try it, try it, try it, 
try giving and see if I won't open the floodgates of heaven. Does anybody want the floodgates of heaven opened on you? I know I do. And I'm going to tell you that's exactly how God has been blessing. Would you stand with me, please? Father, as we, as we close now, we're tempted to say, when I get a raise, then I'll give. When I pay off my debt, then I'll give. When I have enough, then I'll give. But God, these are worry phrases. These are phrases not spoken in faith, but spoken out of worry. God, help us to to see today that you love us and you want to meet our every need through Jesus Christ. So Father, give us the courage today to step out in faith and give. And Father, then we know we will live worry-free because we will have all of heaven at our disposal. The bank of heaven, the richest bank in the universe is, is for us and is at our disposal. And we thank you today, God, for the promises from your word. Thank you for the teachings of our king. Help us now, we pray, to go from here, obeying the king. We pray that for Christ's sake. And everyone said it with me? Amen. Tell the person beside you, go give. Have you been hoping that things would have changed by now? Have you cried all the faith you have through so many tears? Don't forget the things that he has done before. And remember he can do it all once more. It's like the brightest sunrise waiting on the other side on the darkest night don't ever lose hope hold on and believe maybe you just haven't seen it just haven't seen it yet you're closer than you think you are only moments from the break of dawn all his promises are just up ahead maybe you just haven't seen it just haven't seen it yet